Hello and welcome back to the Accommodation Show. We help accommodation owners like you get the knowledge and skills that you need to grow your business, improve your guest experience and increase your profitability. Okay everybody, welcome back to the Accommodation Show. Uh, It's a wonderful day because today I am joined by Les Morgan from Hind Management and we will be talking all things hotels. Les joins us from Auckland. I'm excited that you're here. Welcome to the show, Les. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Look, uh, I'd love you to start off by introducing yourself. Let everybody know um, what your business looks like, what you do in the accommodation space, and then we'll kind of build from there and and uh, create some stories. Well, thank you. I'm the chief operating officer of a hospitality company, really. We we manage or own about $450, $500 million worth of assets in New Zealand. Uh, our primary hotel brand is Sedema. Uh, but we also have uh, a white label hotel brand as well, um, and that's where the hind management aspect comes in. We also have uh, two day spas, uh, and we're hoping to grow that chain. Uh, and we have a number of F&B outlets which are outward facing, so uh, attached to hotels or associated with hotels, but um, more public, um, publicly facing um, brands. So yeah, it's a broad range, but essentially hotels is our business, and and hotels has been my business for uh, the best part of 25, 30 years. Yeah, wow. And I imagine that uh, with that kind of portfolio, you've uh, you've had a pretty rough 24 months. I don't want to say the obvious, but uh, um, it's been interesting to watch because everyone's been shut down in different stages. And I know that... Uh, uh, that New Zealand was quite lucky because although you didn't have as many local lockdowns you and you did actually have international travel for quite a while, um, your international market overall has really fallen out for quite a while. Can you tell us about that and uh, how the pandemic's affected you to this stage? Yes, well, um, because New Zealand is so dependent on tourism, we tourism in New Zealand is the largest contributor to GDP. Uh, we had a sudden and significant fall. Our borders closed um, completely. I think over the last two years-ish, we've had a period of maybe two months where we had a, an open border with Australia. So we've really been on our own and, and relying completely on um, domestic tourism. We have seen a, a bump in domestic tourism, but uh, it's, it doesn't go um, anywhere near uh, making up for the shortfall of revenues. We have seen Kiwis travelling and trying to get out and about the countryside, but as you'd appreciate, they tend to be seasonal, you know, holiday-related or or long weekend. Um, So it's been really, really difficult. Um, You could say that essentially hotels have had no revenue uh, at all, Um, unless you've been one of the hotels that's um, providing MIQ facilities. Uh, The MIQ uh, business has been a lifeline for the industry. Uh, We are fortunate enough to have four hotels in that um, I say fortunate enough, but it's been really challenging, of course. Mm. Um, we've, we've been really concerned about the health and safety of our uh, team members. Um, and now that the vaccination uh, program has rolled out in New Zealand, it certainly made us feel a bit better. But it's been really, really, really difficult in MIQ. And outside of that, essentially no business at all. So especially, I would imagine, for uh, the smaller accommodation providers who who haven't got the resources, the bigger chains have got it's um it's been yeah extremely difficult 
Yeah, look, and I think that I guess where you're dealing with a, a bigger hotel and, and, and bigger problems than the ability to do the, the so-called pivot and to change things is, is significantly harder um, because you've got so many more moving parts and so many uh, bits of your business that are entrenched or ingrained and, and change management is difficult on its own. Um, how do you feel you guys have gone in terms of that adaptability um, I guess over the past couple of years and then kind of moving forward is this kind of have you had to change the lifeblood of who you guys are to survive and to to really start to think of things differently to be able to grow the business potentially in the future yeah well significant change um in, in new zealand when the COVID crisis first emerged we were in complete lockdown complete shutdown uh, with no vision of how long this would last uh, in our own case we were burning through cash just incredibly quickly. So we had to make some very strong decisions. We essentially mothballed the company. Um, and uh, I think we had conversations with about 500 people around their future. So that was extremely challenging and emotional and, and, and difficult. Mm. Um, as, as time went on and we were able to reopen some of the hotels, especially the MIQ hotels, um, and you know they were in complete hibernation. So we, we were able to recover some of our team members and, and ask them if they'd have us back. Um, and that's important because we accepted at the time that um, there's a lot of um, trust loss. You know, if, if you talk to an employee and suddenly say, look, I don't require you anymore, and then ask them to come back, they're naturally going to be, um, you know, careful. So we were really... There's no way not to burn the bridge, right? Well, that's right. So we were really careful about the language. Um, and what we did throughout, we had a real determination to communicate and be frank uh, with our people. Um, I personally decided that um, I was going to take a strong lead. I, I kept in contact with the owner, um, but uh, things were changing so quickly it was really difficult to inform them of every decision we made. So I just got on with it. I got the executive team around me, and and we just did the best we can. And you know, we sort of had an in in joke of stand by because by this afternoon it'll be a different plan. Mm. Um, but what we what we did determine as time went on was that what was essential was we needed to draw a line in the sand around whom we wouldn't restructure. We needed to protect the IP of the company. Now there are roles and people who are absolutely critical and we ring fenced them, put some care and wellbeing around them, assured them of their roles um, and then have subsequently began to you know, rebuild the company slightly around that. But one of the outcomes is that we realised that we needed more flexibility in our workforce. We always thought we did because we relied on part-time or casual um, team members, but we soon learned I needed more than that. Um, I made a decision, for instance, to outsource all housekeeping, um, which is about 40% of our workforce. Right, right. Uh, and we're contracting out a lot more roles. Uh, we're looking at offshoring more and more. Um, I just think that the next few years are be going to be constructive again uh, and continually, and I need that flexibility in the business. But importantly, I need to protect the key people. Um, that's, that's essential because we want to you know, keep the talent. Um, and in this lockdown, so New Zealand's going through a second lockdown, a much more severe one, especially Auckland, uh, we didn't affect a single person's role. Not a single hour was lost. We made the decision we would stand by everybody uh, because the consequence of putting through people through a second change uh, would be that we would lose them from our business but probably lose them from the industry uh, and we would never attract them again. So again, my owner was very supportive. I, 
I said to him, I don't want to make a single change and hopefully um, you understand that, you know, it's going to take a bit of bravery on your part. And he was very, very, very good because he's a, he's a good man and he understood uh, what we were doing. So we've stood by everybody. Um, but yes, it has resulted in a different business. We, we're obviously leaner um, and uh, we're much more nimble, but we're, we're much more aware too of ourselves um, and, and what we can do and what we can't do. Yeah, look, that's that's really fascinating about the people side of things where I guess uh, if we look back at the pandemic and how it all started, we thought maybe it's going to be a matter of months and, and the people will kind of hang around. And as, as you'll know, as anyone else, is the, the staff have just disappeared. They just don't exist anymore. There's, you know, the, the, there's staff shortages in so many different industries, especially in hospitality. And not only that, you've lost a lot of the skill. So even mm. if you get people that are interested in working, you just don't have that IP. You don't have that knowledge just kind of coming in and, and all those things you would take for granted aren't there anymore. So I guess uh, would I be right in saying that this time around, you've kind of you've you've trimmed the fat as, 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 as much as you possibly can. And then and then you're trying to protect the IP, as you particularly said, that the people have within the organization. That's right. And the other decision we made is we were very careful, as I said, uh, to you know communicate with people. Uh, but during this lockdown, we've taken the opposite approach. Uh, we found that we're over-communicating. We're putting stress on people. Uh, you know, when you're in your home for 100 days, um, there's a lot to cope with. And um, I, I think they wanted to hear less from me and, and, and less from the leadership team in general. So we've, we've stepped back from that and, and, and mindful of that. Uh, but you're absolutely correct. There's been a whole knowledge, uh, well, a knowledge drain from the industry. We've lost those people to, uh, you know, to retail or um, in New Zealand, especially construction or farming, um, because they're also uh, the closed borders um, have obviously stopped immigration. And um, mm. New Zealand unemployment figure at the moment is about three point four percent, which is, means you start to get down to um, you know people who who, who don't want to enter the workforce anyway under any circumstances. So that has put pressure on um, salary and wages. And uh, if you've been slow to react, um, then you, you've lost those people forever. So, yeah, we, we were really careful to, to foresee that. Um, one thing we did here as a, as a company is, is in New Zealand, there's a, a movement called Living Wage. Um, so we, we don't pay minimum wage, we don't pay living wage, we actually pay beyond that for an entry-level role. So we've taken the position to, to really put ourselves forward as a, an employer of choice um, to, again, retain and attract that um, because the the dichotomy of the whole crisis is that you know we're an investment company so we're looking at the future we're about to open two new hotels and actively looking for more opportunities so we also have to have an eye on growth so we know that at any point we're going to um, need fresh people in fact we op we're opening a hotel in Queenstown um, very shortly so um, you know we've got to be mindful of um, what the future holds um, and we still need to build up you know, a layer of leadership um, and get that balance right between having people on the books who might not necessarily be essential today but are necessary in six or 12 months' time. So uh, this is a really fascinating point, and without revealing your hand too much to your competitors and everyone out there, but I'm really curious that that plan for the future, it's really difficult to put together because you don't know really what's going to happen. We we hope and we pray that, you know, in, in 12 months' time that, that there won't be such harsh lockdowns coming in ever again, right? That we all get vaccinated and life goes on. But 
also being cognizant of the fact that it could be that this summer will be okay and next winter we're back into back into trouble um and look i'm not an epidemiologist and i can't even say the word correctly so i wouldn't know that uh, what what to expect but how far ahead are you planning and how far ahead do you think it's reasonable if you were to give advice to someone in the same position go well we're planning this far ahead um in terms of obviously cash flow and that sort of thing is is critical but also in terms of things like that expansions staffing um technology everything that you're putting into place how what's what's your level of risk that you're willing to take on in terms of those plans well that, that's, that's a great question isn't it I I think probably the best way to answer that is that in previous occasions you would do a forecast or a budget. You might even do a five-year plan. Um, what we've done is we, we still need those five-year plans for investment reasons, but we tend to do three plans. What I mean by that is that it's, there's a worst-case scenario, a conservative figure, and um, you know best case. So every budget we do, we do three because we've, right. we've got a plan accordingly. So if it's a five-year plan, it's a five-year plan based on three different scenarios. Um, and that's important because you, uh, in terms of an investment cycle, um, you know, our owners look 10, 20, 30 years. In fact, you know, they're generational investors, so um, they're looking very, very long-term. So they've had experience, um, like a lot of big asset owners, with cycles. Uh, and they want to see right through that. So our our business is two parts. One's a management company, which manages the day-to-day cash flows and operations, but also we have an investment arm. Um, so the investment arm looks long-term um, because obviously you're going to get capital appreciation from assets, etc. so they're always going to continue to be successful. Um, but you're right, you, you still have the, the day-to-day um, operation of the hotels, which gives you the cash flow you know, to pay your interest and your principal back and your loans. So... Um, we we very we very much split things. I can tell you that as an industry group in New Zealand, terms of an industry group, we're only focused on the next couple of years. Mm. Um, we're looking to see what's going to happen in terms of air connectivity, um, because that's a big factor for for New Zealand. Um, it's just it just um, it's not worth looking further down the track. So I guess in terms of advice to people, um, you've got to be really careful about over planning, because things will change so quickly. I wouldn't be going into too much detail about things um, because in a strike of a pen, um, it, it, it will all shift. So I, I think um, when you're looking long term, you've got to try and keep it more high level than maybe previously, not overanalyze those things. Um, but operationally, yeah, you've just got to be looking sh- short term. You know, um, As our company, one of the things we believe in is having you know, big long term dream, but short term goals. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. And um, do you do you leverage sort of um, the insurance guys to help you figure out your numbers? Because I imagine that they would they would have some pretty good math going on to figure out you know bushfire risk and all that sort of thing, COVID risk and, and that sort of thing. If you do, you guys use any sort of data analysts to, to kind of dig a bit deeper and go, hey, um, like to put together these plans and go, well, your worst case scenario is this based on on all these different variables that would be used in the same industry um, or in those industries to put it together, or am I wrong tree? No, no, you're right. Um, less on the insurance, but we use a lot of data. Um, you know, a, a tip for people is airlines have extremely good data. They have um, great insight into travel patterns because they see demand. So, you know, if you can 
keep a close eye on the information coming out of the airlines and airports especially, and the cruise business. That's a great source, so we rely on that somewhat. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be uh, in tourism leadership groups in New Zealand, so I do get access to that data or contribute to it. Um, and internally we have um, data analysts too who are looking at patterns and um, you know we just try and use our best judgment with that. Yeah, because, because obviously it goes beyond just revenue management at that stage because you are looking at the pandemic coming in and out and, and seasonality kind of goes out the window as well and, and you know, what country are people going to be coming from in a year or two? Who knows, right? Um, so it's, it's, a, it's in, I guess, a, a space which is full of opportunity. Now, one of the things that we talked about uh, the other day before and one of the areas where uh, it's really important to look after is uh, people, staff, um, and those staff shortages, it's, it's all over the place. Like people can't get cleaners, for example. It's just impossible uh, to get cleaning teams and that sort of thing. Um, and I know that uh, you also told me that your business is very reliant on international guests coming back um, for, you know, to actually make some money and for growth. So kind of balancing those two elements, uh, what kind of strategies are you guys putting into place with your staff and with your teams, um, you know, more immediately and then, and then moving into the future? Well, it's hard, isn't it? Because um, we're in a remuneration arms race in New Zealand. Uh, and so we, we work hard on remuneration, and, and that's an important word. Um, I like to refer to remuneration like a clock, where all the points on the clock um, might contain a different benefit. So other than salary and wages, we, we pay a lot of attention to things like uh, life insurance. So we provide full life insurance for our employees, um, health insurance, um, you know, all sorts of benefits. Some of them are smaller ones. But we also uh, appreciate we've got a diverse workforce. So if you're younger, life insurance means nothing to you. So um, we, we provide concert tickets, for instance. Um, we issued 660 tickets to uh, our group recently. Um, because that you know excites some of the younger people, maybe some of the older ones as well. So we, we work really hard on that remuneration clock and we look at benefits um, that attract people. And we try to be as clever and um, uh, as out there as we can be to make sure we're attractive to the right people. So we've taken some punt to wrap that amount of care and well-being around our people kind of in advance of the demand, which is your point, you know, because that all comes at a cost. And yet we haven't got that demand yet. But it's absolutely necessary to be brave and take that step. Because without your, your people and the right talent, you just won't grow your business. You won't be in a position to make the most of the opportunities that will come along. Because the opportunities that come along will happen at the last minute. I mean, we know that from previous pre-COVID um, trends that uh, booking is uh, so last minute. But now it's extremely last minute because you might just get a window of a week to book a conference and you do it and you go. Um, so if your business is not in a good position, you won't be able to capture that. We also know in New Zealand we've got a number of major events coming up in the next couple of years, and, and they're going to provide these spikes uh, in demand. So we've, yeah, so I guess we've put thing, the people first and taken a punt that demand will come. But at the same time, we need to be able to operate our hotels in the future in a leaner structure. So when business does demand, um, business does return, we've got to be able to operate much leaner than we are. And one of the big decisions we've made is that 
we'll introduce more and more technology um, to see if we can't aid that productivity. Because you're right, we you, you can't have um, this high cost of staff and continue um, your way you're worse, especially in a, a disruptive demand cycle. So uh, we're going to have to do, uh, as we expand, we just don't want to be adding more and more people unnecessarily. I mean, no one does, but we're really looking at the types of technology that can aid that. And specifically things like kiosks. Um, we think that um, anything contactless is obviously good for guests. Um, you can now check into our hotels online using your mobile phone. You can use your mobile phone to access keys in the rooms, etc. You can order room service off that. Um, we're looking at all those um, simple things. I mean, we recently, for, for the cost of $500, we were able to find a software fix that meant one of our administration people had a drop in their hours of 20 hours. It's incredible for a small investment. Just because we were looking at, you know, anything that's data entry, um, you know, can we do it more effectively? So the challenge really is to look at all parts of your business, everything, to see what um, can be done more efficiently. And there's some good examples, especially in Northern Europe, where hotels have traditionally had very high labour costs, extremely high, uh, and they offshore outsource a lot of things without affecting their guest service mm. and that's you know, that's important you've got to get that balance right so um yeah we, we're definitely looking to be you know, more efficient yeah and so so on that you being in the in the management company that you are i would have thought that you had always been looking you would have always been looking at technology and ways of driving efficiency because that's sort of the, the business model that you would have um uh, the difference between, I guess, pre-pandemic to now. So obviously we're saying, well, we've got staff shortages. We've got all these issues where we, we can't operate the way we used to. When we're looking at technology and we're going, well, now we, need to, we really, really need to make a change. But, but before you really, really needed to make the change anyway, right? So yes. what's, the, what's the difference now? And when, when you guys are looking at the tech solutions and when you're looking at it, like my, my feeling is, my guess is going to be that you're, trying to predict where you're going to be five years ahead of time rather than being kind of more reactive and responsive. And that would be the difference. But I'd love to hear from you, like when you're thinking about technology as opposed to where, how you used to and how you're thinking about it now, what's changed and, and how is it affecting the business? Well, I, I think, yeah, we've always, you're right. We've always thought we're a lean business. I think every business does. They, they think they're doing the best thing and we'll, we'll introduce technology and these things will get better. But the fact is, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And the fact that we were lean, we began to work out actually what's not essential. What work are we doing that's actually not critical to the guest experience? Um, so what we've done is rebuilt it based on the guest. What is the guest expectations? Mm. Uh, I mean, it's quite common now around the world uh, for some of the hotels, especially five-star hotels, to maybe not providing some of the services they used to do. Many bars have gone... Sometimes you won't get room service. There's a lot of limited service hotels currently. Um, when guests begin to return, they may bring some of those services back, but they also may choose not to because guest expectations have slightly changed. They, they want a, probably a more contactless um, experience. And also we know as younger people become into the travel market, they're more comfortable um, tweeting a room service request than they are talking to you over the phone. Um, so I think we've got to adjust. But I think the big important thing, Bart, is that we've really taken the opportunity to reset our thinking. So what's changed in terms of technology is we've just 
open to anything. Whereas previous, oh, maybe not possible, maybe it's expensive. Um, we, we've just had a really hard look at ourselves and said, let's just think differently. Uh, and that opens up a whole you know, realm of possibilities when you, when you take that approach. Um, because the, the basic things we must do everything differently. So my challenge to my leadership teams are, let's do it differently, let's think differently and be open-minded about it. And um, um, it, it, that's, that's worked, actually. It's, it's funny, it's just a mindset, because you're right, there's, there's nothing actually changed um, other than the mindset. But, uh, I mean, COVID certainly forced these things on us, yes. Um, but it's, what's changed is it's just accelerated. Because you're right, everything was going, these things were going to happen, but it certainly accelerated. One of the things I really liked about what you said was you said that it's the guest experience, which is number one. And in my mind, the guest experiences and their expectations are changing incredibly fast and faster than what I can even come up with. And I work in this space as, as to what people actually really want uh, in, in terms of that experience, in terms of their check-in. And do they want the contactless or not? Or do they want an Uber Eats uh, delivery where they can choose a hundred different options rather than whatever you've got on your particular menu in your place. And, and all of these things are changing. So where I think organizations used to find ways to trim down uh, their costs based on their own processes, it's actually saying, well, that doesn't really matter at all. It's like, actually, what do we need to provide to the guest? And what technology do we need to facilitate that? And then you can find the efficiencies and go, well, you know what? That part of the business just isn't needed at all because it's not meeting what the guests are now actually looking for. Would you agree with that sort of summary? Yeah, absolutely. I think probably we have been guilty in the past of imposing on guests what we think is best. Sure. Based on our experience or, um, you know, our skills. But you're right. I think what's changed with technology is that guests are now able to communicate their needs to you a lot quicker and a lot faster and a lot clearer. And you have to react to those. I mean, sustainability is a good example. Mm. Um, we're a very sustainable company. Um, we have, um, you know, our hotels are uh, all carbon neutral um, and have been for some time. We, we're very focused on that. But when we surveyed our guests four years ago, three, four years ago, um, we asked them where does sustainability rank and the importance of their stay. And it was like 20th or something. It was absolutely shocking. I thought it would be in the top five. The number one thing was a free breakfast, but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, but today, I think if we had that survey again, I think sustainability would be probably in the top five, solidly. Mm. So I think you're right. Things have changed very, very quickly, uh, and people are much more sensitive to that. Uh, and you know, COVID's probably highlighted some of those things for sure. But you know, carbon shaming um, is, is a big factor, or um, you know people's just awareness around the environment. So um, if you're not quick to adjust to those things or you still think for a moment that maybe it's not so important, you're absolutely wrong. Um, and, and I guess that comes back to, you know, me not having all those answers, having a diverse team around me um, of younger people or, or people with diverse thought. So sure. you know, that's our big call. Uh, do we have people who've got um, diverse thoughts? Um, because the social media aspect and, and all those sorts of things are important and impossible for any one person to keep up. So if you've got to be open-minded about it, you've got to be very, very reactive. Um, and we, we, you know, we're, we do like to try and be at the front of the queue with these sorts of things, but 
Um, not with technology, interesting enough, you know, we've, we've learnt over the years if you're the first to adopt it, you're in for a very difficult ride. You're always better to be second if you can be. Um, so there is a balance around you know, introducing new technology too soon. Uh, and I'm a big fan of making sure that the technology you do introduce is, is helpful for the client. It, it might be nice to walk into my room and open my blinds and turn on the fire and uh, order room service all off my app, but do I really want that? You know, is it seamless? Does it work? That's yeah. the key thing. So, um, you know, there's still a big part of what we do is that human element and that service, um, for sure. You know. uh, beautiful. I did. Uh, there was another thought that came up as we were talking, and uh, it was around uh, the workcation um, topic. And I've got really hugely mixed feelings about workations and that's more in this sort of the vacation rental short-term rental sort of space but i'd love to hear what your thoughts are on workations and whether it's actually a thing um or whether it's uh, you know because of the, the fact that now we are working or we can work remotely i don't feel that that's ever changed um i i feel i've always been able to work remotely for the past 10 years i've never had the problem of not of having to being physically restrained by location because of technology. Uh, do you think there's a massive change in the market? Are you guys getting ready for the workation um, crew to come and, and invade the hotels? What, what are your feelings? Uh, I think we, I, I think we, you know, we've discussed it and, you know, we're trying to adapt our product or our service around that. Um, we, we, in terms of the workforce, uh, we're going to be very sensitive to the fact that um, you know, a lot of our people are operationally focused. So I'll give an example. What I mean is in, in, in our support office or administration roles, we're very open to flexible working and working from home. Uh, in fact, we've adopted that. So our, our company rule is, we've got two company rules around this. Um, you can't um, take a, uh, can't work from home on a Monday or a Friday because we don't want you to be long weakening <laughs> the opportunity. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're, you're flexible to work from home. We're open about that. The other interesting rule we have is we don't permit contact or communication with our employees or myself or anyone outside of business hours. Sure. So you cannot text or email or uh, do those sorts of things. Um, and if you do, you, you, there's no response needed, unless it's an emergency, of course. If you're on leave, absolutely strictly not permitted to make contact with, with us. Um, so what we're trying to do there is provide employees with a uh, you know, a safe zone, if you like, because what tends to happen, as you know, uh, we're all guilty of taking our mobile phone out at nine, ten o'clock at night and carrying a few work emails, and that just adds to stress um, and probably doesn't help your productivity. Um, operationally, you know, when we, we require people to be on shift consistently, again, we've had we've got a really open approach for that, and we've had a number of employees say to us that they they wouldn't be working for us if we didn't provide that. Um, you know, mums are a good example. Uh, we say to mums, you know, you work what hours suit you and you know, we'll work out an arrangement that, 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 that helps, especially if you're in a more senior role where it's easier to do that. Um, we're very open to that. You know, I kind of have a rule. If you work for, for me, I, 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 don't, I don't need you to be working 40, 50 hours a week. I just need you to be working or visible when it's important. Mm -hmm. um, and if you treat people like grown-ups, Generally, you know, they react really well to that. Um, but to answer your question more specifically, yes, we need to be prepared for those people entering the workforce because that's ex 
absolutely what they're demanding. They're looking for flexibility. Um, and we're, you know, I've challenged our teams, for instance, and, you know, we've got to be mindful of employment law. Uh, but if you're a duty manager, for instance, and you're working five, eight-hour shifts, you know, why aren't you working with your colleagues and saying, well, could we achieve 40 hours in three and a half days? And then I could have three and a half days off. Sure. Um, so, you know, we're, I'm, I'm open to that, but I think we've all got to be looking at our businesses and say, yes, how, we, how can we do that? Because obviously COVID has highlighted the fact that some people really enjoy being at home and getting some benefit from that, um, and I think the company can. Um, but there's a balance. I don't think one's right or one's wrong. Um, but definitely we need to be looking at it. And the other thing we're looking at is, you know, job sharing with other employers. Could could sure. could could Johnny work for me for 10 hours a week and across the road for 10 hours a week? And is that possible? You know, we've got to be open to that. And um, do you feel that you'll get more guests expecting to have better facilities for for remote remote working or in terms of the the avatar and the demographic of the people coming in to stay with you yes yes absolutely so we we are beginning to see that you know people booking in just to um dare i say get away from home because it's, it's difficult to to work, to work sometimes at home um and we have um you know we've, we've got big pipes uh, in all our hotels in terms of data capability it's, it's been something we've really thought and to make sure that people can work um, um, more easily. And you're right, it's, it's, it's happening more and more, and we're, we're very open to that. Um, you know, we're offering full board packages, for instance, which we, we wouldn't have previously done because people just want to be locked in their rooms and, you know, focused on their work. Um, so we also spent a lot of money and, uh, and time investing in shared workspaces in the lobbies um, to activate them um, and put a lot of uh, attention around... You know, the type of F and B offerings people who uh, spend a lot of time in hotel rooms want—they want, they want a, you know a different experience. So, um, yes, the answer is that we are we are looking at all of that. But in New Zealand, we haven't seen a, a great shift in that demand. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. And uh, look, I I think I think we we've covered so many different topics, and I, I really do appreciate it. I, I really enjoy getting different perspectives from everywhere across the world. And we, we've all got, we're all dealing with the same challenges, but in different ways. And, and I love the, the sharing of ideas. One of the things that we had mentioned before was um, inflation and that sort of thing, uh, sort of moving forward and how it's going to affect uh, our industry as a whole. Um, and you can see it happening out there. One thing that you said is that you're having to, to look after people's wages and uh, ultimately they will go up. I imagine that room prices have started to rise for you guys, even though occupancy might not even be there, but the prices are still going up. Um, I, my background, I, having most of my family in New Zealand, I go over there and I look at the price of petrol and I, I almost want to cry. Uh, what are your feelings sort of moving forward and how do we protect our businesses um, uh, against inflation? Well, it's a factor and it's the same factor across the world, as you know. Um, all, all economies are facing inflation, whether it's transitory or permanent is yet to be seen. But it's the, it's the biggest factor in business. It's the biggest risk, bigger than uh, immigration, in my opinion, or, or labour shortages, because it's silent. So inflation will erode your margins uh, without you knowing it. I'll give you a good example. You may, for instance, price a menu in your restaurant once every six months. Sometimes chefs change them on, based on seasonality. 
Well, you can't do that any longer, but the price of tomatoes is changing every week. So in six months, your tomato soup, you might not be making a single cent on that. So you have to be, the only way to cope is to have software um, that allows you to change your menus um, quickly. And, and you know, you and I have previously discussed this. I, I'm a big believer in dynamic pricing for food and beverage. I believe all menus now should be delivered in tablets and you should be changing your menu prices according to uh, potentially demand, but also inflation. Um, it, 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 you, you should be able to provide a cocktail um, at $15 during happy hour, for instance, uh, and $25 during peak um, hour just by looking at a tablet and changing you know, your price accordingly. Uh, but inflation uh, affects everything. Uh, fuel is a good example. Not only have we got inflation, we've got high fuel crisis. Uh, that affects um, you know, freight. Um, and it, it affects absolutely everything. So uh, you cannot be asleep at the wheel with inflation. You cannot have annual wage and salary reviews. That's just not possible. Um, you've got to be doing those, um, what we refer to as check-in chats, every couple of months because you need to be up to speed. Otherwise, you're going to lose someone um, who's going to walk across the road for a couple of dollars more because you're not prepared to be flexible. Um, it's, the, it's a real concern about inflation in an accommodation sector. It affects every single product and service you buy. And if you're not reviewing your pricing constantly, and I mean constantly, um, you will become unprofitable very, very quickly. Uh, when did you guys start really looking at this particular issue on a more serious level because you know we've got so many different inputs we're always looking at and different ones that you're trying to tackle but was there a point where you just went ah inflation geez where where we're, we're starting to see that the, the the mountains start to climb um i guess the trigger point for us was in new zealand the government mandated minimum wage rises and has every year and they've been quite substantial uh, upwards of nine to ten percent on minimum wage uh, and that always begins to ring alarm bells because you obviously have to raise everything accordingly. Um, and you know that if if we're doing that, if the whole country is raising salary and wages, or sorry, minimum wages, it's going to have an inflationary effect immediately. Um, the government might not see that for a few months or other, or other organisations, but um, you know when you're an operator, you see that immediately. So I think that was the trigger point. It's been on our radar now for... 18 months um, and you know in hindsight it, it it was probably necessary because we've got this shortage of labor anyway so if we hadn't done those raises there'd be a huge gap um, but yes so it's been here for some time and you know not that I want to discuss macroeconomics because I'll get that wrong but I, I would suspect it's going to be with us for some time you've just got to be extremely vigilant Vigilant. It's a real warning, and I'm I'm pleased you raised it because I think it's 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 the major issue for our industry. Yeah, and, and I think if if you know, we I always like to give value to the audience, and I think that your your key point of saying you've just got to be careful of your margins um, is is incredibly important, and keep in reviewing and 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 watching what's going on um, because you can just get caught off guard and all of a sudden you just become unprofitable and, and the whole, the whole equation just falls out from underneath you. Yeah. I think especially if, you know, we, we've, you talking about accommodation prices, you may fall back on, I mean, obviously a dynamic price has no roof, but it has a minimum 
you know, you've got a flaw. So you might fall back on a practice of, for instance, offering a $99 room night because you would do that um, to turn to the market to stimulate it because of demand. Well, you can't do that anymore because $99 is absolutely not relevant. You know, your floor might be 150 So you really need to pay attention now to what that floor price will be. Um, and that's important because obviously rooms is where we make you know, most of our revenue. Um, and so you have to adjust your thinking. Uh, I've got one last one for you. One last question to, to, to round this out. Uh, ancillary services, so you can call them up, upsells, cross-sells, bundles, <laughs> you name it. Uh, I know that you're obviously you're, you're running the restaurants as well, so you've got other means of getting revenue in. But in terms of the hotels and people staying, are you guys actively um, looking at more opportunities to to increase the basket size of your guests? Um, and what kind of stuff have you been doing in that space? Uh, well, yes, we are. We, we, we centralised our reservation service two or three years ago, and what we discovered was that by by not doing that, we, we ran the risk of not being able to upsell people, um, and the quality of our reservation um, delivery was very poor. So by centralising, we're able to control the quality. And... What we've seen is a, is a lift in yield as a result of that because we're able to introduce, you know, would you like breakfast? Would, do you require valet parking? Um, you know, what other services do you need? Can we recommend a restaurant? Can we recommend a helicopter tour, etc.? Uh, I think um, you've touched on a very important point. I, I think there's a great opportunity for hotels and accommodation areas to do a lot more of that because we can now bring that in-house, I think. Um, and technology also allows us, obviously, when a guest is using an online booking system, to be able to you know tick some more boxes and or put up some pop-ups in order to um, see if we can't bring them further down that track. But it's absolutely important. Um, and yes, we haven't quite got that right yet. But uh, I, I understand that you know the, the, there's so much more to, to do around that uh, because in New Zealand, especially, what's going to happen with tourism and visitors is they going to be higher yielding in the future? Um, we're, we're not going to appeal to the mass market. Um, we've made a decision sort of collectively that we're, we're only looking for a high, high yield traveller. Um, that's not the, so, there's a distinction between a rich traveller and a poor traveller. Um, this is a high yield, and might, you might be a backpacker, for, for instance, who, who stays for a longer period of time. Um, and, and as a result of attracting those type of people, uh, they expect a bit more and can spend a bit more. Um, so the, the likes to, to the add-on activities um, or multiple night stays, for instance, is, is probably something that we need to um, capture. Uh, but yeah, we're certainly ready for that, and I think tourism in New Zealand is ready to um, adjust accordingly. Um, we, we need to be uh, marketing and delivering a, a more premium product, uh, and we can't wait. I mean, hopefully we're on the verge of that. Um, you know, we're beginning to see... Uh, signs of recovery. It's great to see Australia opening its borders and the rest of the world, you know, welcoming travel. Um, so yeah, we we're certainly prepared, um, and um, and hopefully we can cope if um, if things go very well. Yeah, you've been waiting for long enough now, hey. <laughs> That's right. Look, um, Les, I wanted to thank you so much for spending your time with us. Um, for responding to our emails and, and getting in touch and saying, yep, I'd love to share uh, with the community and with everyone out there. It's, uh, 
it's uh, I, your time is so valuable so to get a little bit of it is is a real privilege so thank you very much it's much appreciated um, and I'm sure the community appreciates it as well now um, is there anything that we can do for you in return for your time look I would love to connect with people I, I'd really enjoy these type of discussions but I, I've learned more from talking to you uh, than a lot of people and I because of you know your your breadth of experience um, and as you said before, we're all in the same um, situation. So, you know, people are welcome to contact me on LinkedIn and, um, you know, let's begin a conversation and, you know, let's get together more often on forums like this, um, share ideas, uh, work together. Tourism just absolutely needs to work together now um, because mm -hmm. we've, you know, we've got some hurdles and um, the power of, uh, of us doing that will mean we can provide these wonderful solutions and, you know, I think the future is super exciting. It's a great time to come in the industry because of the opportunities that present. So I'm really grateful for the invitation to speak to you and, and to your community. And I, I hope in some small way I was able to add value. So thank you. Of course. Of course you have. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Look, have a great rest of the day. And um, I'm looking forward to speaking to you again in the future, coming out and hanging out in your restaurant in Auckland. It's called East. Um, everybody look it up. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, once again, thank you so much. Um, have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can find us at theaccommodationshow.com where you can find all the show notes, links to resources we have talked about and transcripts from the show. I really do appreciate you listening. And if you'd like to support the show, then please subscribe, leave a comment, and share it with others.